What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you find all the great new stuff in our draft guide, all the different podcasts we got going on. You got my podcast. You got Britton Allen's podcast. It's gone. Should be a new episode coming out in the next couple of days on that feed as well. So very exciting stuff here all around at Sports Ethos. There are 20 articles, maybe even more at this point by the time you're listening, in our draft guide that are available on the website at SportsEthos.com. And like I said, at EthosFantasyBB. I've been drilling that one into your heads now for quite a while, but it's paying off. The follower number is creeping up there. Uh, you guys are starting to to go ahead and follow that page, so I really do appreciate that. Keep doing it. Keep checking out Ethos Fantasy BB. There's new content there every single day. If you guys hate Twitter, like some people are starting to, and I'm <clears throat> I'm getting there, uh, you guys can just check all that content out right from the source at sportsethos.com. Some days Twitter's great. Some days Twitter is absolutely awful. The other day you couldn't post stuff with links in it. Eventually they figured themselves out. I was worried that when I posted uh, th- this podcast the other day that it wasn't going to actually show up as a link or there would be some problem. There's always something, right? And we do have an emergency backup Discord as well if Twitter were to crash. You guys are, let's say you're somebody who likes to absorb our content, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever it is, uh, there is a backup sports ethos Discord. You guys can reach out to me uh, over on Twitter, like I said, at JoeOrico99, and we can get you guys added up in there. And Dan Bespris as well, at Dan Bespris. He's tweeting out links to the Discord pretty regularly. We have about, I think, 1,600 people in there or so. That's kind of our backup plan if Twitter were to go to shit. Now, we also do have premium rooms in the Discord. If you are somebody who does have a fantasy pass, if you have any of our other wagering passes, DFS pass, uh, you do have access to the premium side of the Discord as well. So there's a lot to like. There's a lot of cool stuff that you guys can find out all about at sportsethos.com, and you can check it all out on our various different Twitter pages. But today... We are going to get back to team previews. We're going to do the Los Angeles Angels. I meant to do one yesterday, and honestly, I just couldn't do it. I needed to do a shorter show. My throat was raw. It was killing me. Uh, Had some tea, had some lozenges, and we are back up to pretty much full strength. If you guys listen regularly, you know that my voice has not been perfect throughout the winter. There's been, and even going back a little bit farther, I had COVID a couple of times last year, and that kind of didn't help. Uh, And it kind of lingered a little bit. I think for the most part we're back, but there are some days still where I wake up and there is some coughing, and you guys might hear one or two coughs uh, throughout the course of the show just in the background. Uh, That's just me trying to get the last bit of this out of me, but we are going to talk about the Angels today. They are a very tricky team to figure out exactly what the hell's going on, because if everybody's healthy, like this team could win, I don't want to say 100 games, but like 95 games potentially. If they're all healthy, that's that's totally within the realm of possibility. Their lineup is stacked. Their pitching rotation is not quite stacked, but there's still some great arms in there. And then the bullpen, I think they've done a pretty decent job uh, at getting a couple of nicer arms here. They're not they're not a great bullpen by any means, but there's a couple of guys that do interest me on this team for sure that they've brought in, some guys that were there previous, and we're going to talk about all of that right now. We're going to start like we usually do at the top of the order here. If you guys want to follow along, go to Fangraphs, go click on the three-bar tab, go click Roster Resource, and then click on the Angels. We're going to just be going through it like that. Now, projected to be the leadoff hitter, should be the leadoff hitter, I think, is Taylor Ward. And Taylor Ward is kind of a tough player to figure out exactly. He was very hot last year. He was very cold, all like unplayable cold. And then he ended up picking it back up again. 
he ended up with 23 homers. He had five steals, and he batted 281. Very serviceable season, nonetheless. Uh, he was not somebody, I can't remember off the top of my head, where he was being drafted last year. But I think for the most part, he was kind of an afterthought slash waiver wire pickup. Not somebody that was drafted outside of probably some pretty deep leagues. Now, he did miss 30 games. I don't think that that's something that we have to worry about so much. can't remember off the top of my head what that was now. Um, and I think there might have been a couple of different parts of the year where he missed little bits of time here and there. Like, I can't remember exactly what it was now. Um, there was, there was, I think there was a couple of smaller injuries that Taylor Ward did have. I'm just going to take a look here because I honestly don't remember now at this point. It's been a while since we were in <clears throat> injury mode of last season. Um, I think, was it his arm? Did something do with his arm? Um, what was it exactly? Yeah, when he walked, when he went, ran into the wall there, uh, that's what it was. I believe it was an arm or a shoulder problem. I don't think that that's something that will linger necessarily. I wouldn't be avoiding him because of that. I think Taylor Ward is a pretty reasonably priced outfielder, probably two or three this season, going at pick 113 overall. Uh, that's I'm looking at the most recent 18 draft champions, and we're going to pretty soon start to change that to like online championships we'll look at. And we can look at it right now, uh, the Rotowire Online Championship 12-team league. It's, again, 112 is where he's being drafted. So not much of a difference there at all, just one pick. I think it's pretty reasonable for what you're going to get out of Taylor Ward, for what you should get out of Taylor Ward, which is likely to be 20-plus home runs. Again, all the projection systems pretty much, except for Zips, which is calling for 19. But all of them are calling for anywhere from 21 to 28 homers for him. The runs are expected to be pretty good uh, in the upper mid to upper 80s. And I think if he's healthy at the top of that lineup, and uh, you know, health is going to be a main theme today when talking with the Angels. Because if they're healthy, they could be very, very good. If Ward is healthy at the top of that lineup and the health follows after him in that lineup with Otani and Shrout and Rendon, 100 runs would not be out of the realm of possibility. RBI is probably not going to be a crazy high total there. You could probably expect like something like he had last year between 60 and 70. The projections are calling from anywhere from 69 to 78 RBIs. The steals are kind of interesting. Uh, most projections calling for about 5, 6, 7. The bat is calling for 13. I don't think we're going to see 13 steals out of him necessarily. Uh, if you look back at his minor league track record, he stole a bit here and there. If you look at 2019 in AAA, he had 11 steals. 2018, he had 10 steals. I don't know that we're necessarily going to see as many as these projections or as the bat is necessarily calling for. But I think we could see six or seven uh, to go along with 20-plus homers. Good run total. But I think it could be a very good run total. Solid RBI numbers. And then the batting average, I think, should be pretty good as well. After hitting 280 last year, he had a pretty solid BABIP of 325, but not something that's like crazy unsustainable. Good on-base percentage guy as he walks more than 10% of the time. There's a lot of different formats where you can look at Taylor Ward and think that he's, I think, a pretty reasonable draft pick after pick 100. So he is definitely somebody I'd be looking at. Uh, he's not like a massive target of mine, but he is definitely somebody that is interesting. He's more interesting the more I look at him. Uh, when the season first ended and thinking about you know who I wanted to draft next year, this is like going back to November, December. Taylor Ward wasn't somebody I was really interested in, but you know the more I've dug in this offseason, uh, he's somebody that I would be comfortable taking there in the 110, 115, 120 range for sure. Now, Mr. Michael Trout. I don't know what to make of Mr. Trout because the back problem, for sure, is something that uh, is in the back of my head. And now, it didn't really impact him down the stretch last season so much. And he actually had his highest home run pace of his career, 40 home runs in 119 games. Uh, for Mike Trout, that's, that's, I mean, he's always been a good power guy, for sure. 
but that's like a 54 home run pace. His career high in home runs was 41 or 45, excuse me, 45, which was during the happy fun ball in 2019. Now the health again is a main is the main thing here with Mike Trout. If he is healthy, if he's able to go out there and play 130, 140, 150 games like we've seen him do a number of times, then there's no problem at all drafting him in the middle of the second round, and you could even argue like end of the first round. But the back is definitely worrisome. They said last year when this injury first uh, came up that this is going to be something that he has to deal with for the rest of his career, maybe the rest of his life, some kind of chronic spine thing. It was very scary. And then, you know, there was a couple weeks where we were talking about, and I forget what podcast or who was on at the time. I think it might have been Paul Spore last year was on. We were talking about, should we just sell Trout? Should we just try and get anything we can in a trading league, sell off the name value, and not have to worry about the headache? And we were both kind of in agreement on, yes, like you should probably try and sell Mike Trout. I believe, I think it was Spore, uh, probably last July. Uh, should you sell Mike Trout? And we were both kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, it's a big, massive headache that you got to worry about with Trout. Is he going to play? Is he going to, you know, is he going to, is he going to play is the main is the main problem there. Uh, he did play, and he was pretty good down the stretch as well. You know, he hits, what was it, uh, in the second half, 16 home runs, 29 RBIs. He had the 308 batting average. He was he was still very serviceable. It just all comes down to health. We're not No one's going to question the skills, and if they were to question the skills, uh, you'd have to give him a drug test. He's obviously one of the best players who's ever played the game. You're getting elite power, you should be getting elite runs and RBIs, and you should be getting around a 300 batting average, if not a little bit better. The only place where you're not getting help anymore from Mike Trout, and it's unfortunate, is stolen bases, because he's somebody who does have speed. Uh, it's probably not as much as he did when he was first coming up at age 20, stealing 49 bases, but he's still quick if he wanted to. I don't think Mike Trout would have single-digit stolen base numbers ever, unless he truly was not wanting to steal. And that is the case. Uh, he doesn't want to steal, or the team is telling him you know, there's no point in stealing. Probably a bit of a combination of both. And these last three seasons, granted he's missed time uh, in all three of those seasons. But, well, 2020, I guess, not really, because it was a short year. But he has only four steals going back over the last three years. And even 2019 was only 11. So that is something you have to consider when you are building out your teams. If you're in a points league, it doesn't matter as much. But if you're talking about your standard category leagues, if you're talking head-to-head categories, Roto, uh, you, have to, you have to factor that into your decision. Even though you're getting elite plus production in the other four categories, uh, you're not getting the steals that you once did with Mike Trout. And again, uh, projections probably calling for three, four steals out of Mike Trout. So that's probably what we're going to have. But if he did end up having one or two, I don't think anybody would be too surprised by it, and it's it's not going to be a, a huge asset. He's not going to be a huge asset in steals. Everywhere else, obviously, elite production. I don't have any problem drafting him in the second round, and that's generally where he does go around pick 20. Uh, that's his ADP in these most recent drafts. That's draft champions. Let's take a look at the 12-teamers in the online championship. 17 is his ADP, so he actually gets pushed up a little bit farther. I think that's cool. I think that's fine. I actually took him... Uh, yesterday in the Fantasy Six Pack tournament. You guys know Fantasy Six Pack Joe Bond. I did a pa- uh, panel with him actually for Potapalooza. Uh, we were on that panel together and he's organized a, uh, a fantasy baseball tournament essentially over on Fantrax, the Fantasy Six Pack series. And I took Mike Trout in the second round. Uh, it's an OBP league. I was drafting from the fifth slot. Yeah. So I took him in the second round, pick eight in the second round. Uh, and I-, I felt very happy with that. Whether it's OBP or average, he's going to be a great asset there. It's just a matter of if he will stay healthy. The base, the stolen base is obviously a factor as well. But uh, I'm personally pretty in on Mike Trout. I think that 
it's it's very very difficult situation, but I think if I had to lean one way or the other, I'm in. I have him in that one league so far. Might take him again depending on where he's being drafted, but I think the price is reasonable considering what he can do. This guy was the number one overall fantasy player for I don't know how many years in a row he was the number one by ADP, four, five, six years, whatever it was. We're not so far removed from that, and we just saw last year, like I said, his highest ever home run pace, per game home run pace. So there is worry, but there's also the fact that it's Mike Trout, and he'll probably be okay. Uh, It just, again, all comes back to the back with him, and we obviously hope for the best there. Uh, Now Shohei Otani is going to be the number three hitter in this lineup on most days. I've drafted Shohei Otani recently as well. He was my first-round pick in TGFBI. That is a weekly league. I took him 11th overall. That is a weekly league where you choose at the beginning of the week. Is Otani going to get pitching stats, or is he going to be a hitter? Is he going to get hitting stats for me, essentially? Uh, and most of the time, you're probably going to use him as a batter. It's probably – I don't I can't even remember how many weeks now are in a fantasy baseball season, 24, something like that. Uh, you're probably going to use him like 21, 22 times as a hitter. And then there might be a couple of weeks where you see, okay, he's facing Oakland, he's facing the Nationals, he's going to the Pirates, the Reds are coming to town, or something something like that. And you might think that you're going to start him there uh, on the mound. The thing with Otani is I don't believe that he's ever had a two-start week in his fantasy life, in his fantasy career going back to 2018. Don't think he's ever done that. But I believe the Angels are going to try and go with more of a five-man rotation this year. So we might see Otani have a few more. You know, it's not going to be a lot. No pitcher throughout the year has that many two-start weeks. But you might see, like, three of them from Otani, which would make him very valuable uh, in those kind of formats where you are starting him just one or the other for the week. Now, he's someone that you have to kind of talk about in terms of the different formats because we talked about ESPN the other day. Now, I didn't take him because I just wanted to kind of diversify my draft, look at how it would how the draft would look without Otani. But Otani should probably be the number one overall pick in every single ESPN league, assuming you are playing daily leagues over there, whether it's whether it's categories or points. You can use him. If you draft Shohei Otani, you can use him as a pitcher and you can use him as a hitter every day. And it's, it's a cheat code. If you look at the points, we did this at the end of last season, looking at the total points for ESPN. Otani had something like 900 points, and the next best player was Aaron Judge with like 600 and. 30, 640 or something, which is already ridiculous for a hitter. Judge was way ahead of the next guy who was like Jose Ramirez or something by 70 or some odd points. And then Otani literally added another third uh, onto that, giving you 900 plus points. So he's clearly number one in ESPN formats. Yahoo is completely different as well with Otani. We've talked about this a little bit during the different mocks I've done. There's two Otanis. And it, again, it's, it's kind of confusing if you're not used to Yahoo. You draft one Otani as a pitcher. You draft one Otani as a batter. The batter typically goes into the first round, around pick 12, 11, uh, in that range. And the pitcher, his ADP has moved up a little bit earlier in draft season on Yahoo. It was about 55. Most recent check, which was a couple days ago for me, was about 47, I believe he was going. So end of the fourth round for you as a pitcher there. It's very complicated to rank Otani because he's different on every site. And there's obviously different scoring. At the end of the day, he's very safe because, especially in those weekly formats, like I was happy to take him in TGFBI because he is insurance on both sides of the ball. If I have shittier hitters, if my hitters don't pan out, then Otani ends up going in the lineup a lot more as a bat. If my pitching all ends up sucking or everybody gets hurt, then I can slide him in there to the pitching slots and I get a little bit of extra production on that side of the ball. He's invaluable from that sense. 
but he also has a bit of an elevated injury risk because of it. When you and this was going back to Ariel Cohen, who I'm actually matched up against in the, the baseball pods battle of the pods. If you guys go follow baseball pods on Twitter, you can go vote for fantasy MLB today. I think the race is probably done. I think Ariel's going to take me out there. I think he has about 65% of the vote. I'm at about 35. Uh, but what the main point there when I mentioned Ariel is that in uh, first pitch Arizona, which I know I talk about probably twice a week, but he was giving a panel. Uh, with Derek Cardi and Tristan Cockroft, and both of, of ESPN. And their talk partly was about Shohei Otani and the injury risk that he has because, you know, it's not quite double the average player, but he is going out there and hitting for these last two seasons, 157 games and 158 games. Plus, he's going out there and making, uh, I'm going to pull up, how many, I can't remember exactly how many starts he made, 23 and 28 starts these last two seasons. So, that's a lot of strain to put on the body. Even though he's not playing the field, he's pitching as opposed to playing the field. That's, you know, it is. I hear some people say, well, you know, he doesn't have to play the outfield. You know, I don't think playing right field for Otani is going to be anywhere near as stressful as pitching 28 times throughout the season. The skills are unimpeachable. You can make an honest to God argument that Otani is the best baseball player who has, uh, you know, who's ever stepped on a major league field. Uh, I don't want to say ever because who knows about some random players back 100 years ago or somebody in the Negro Leagues or whoever uh, that was fantastic. But in terms of Major League Baseball, in terms of the recorded history of Major League Baseball, I think you can make the argument that Otani is probably the greatest player we've ever seen. And there's no reason from that sense not to want to draft him in fantasy. But there's also the fact of you, can, you the analysis for him has to be very multi-layered because if you're drafting on Yahoo versus NFBC versus ESPN versus wherever, it does change the way that you have to kind of look at him and evaluate him. So in the NFBC, I'm very comfortable drafting him as early as probably seventh overall. Uh, you have that, that like I said, that ability to use him on either side of the ball. If you're floundering either or, then you can just switch him out and you get a little bit of an added bonus either in your pitching or your hitting stats. Yahoo, I'm pretty comfortable drafting the batter. I don't know about first round, but like beginning of the second round, you pair him with somebody else because he is utility only on Yahoo. <clears throat> so you are taking up a utility spot very early on. Like we said, there is a little bit more risk. So maybe pair him with a safe bat, maybe a Freddie Freeman. Uh, a Manny Machado, somebody like that at the end of the first round. That makes sense to me. Those guys, very high floors, very safe fantasy players. Otani is, is a little bit more risky. In terms of the pitcher on Yahoo, uh, I'm happy to take him where he's going, end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. I think that's great value for just the pitcher. Uh, you know, especially a lot of those leagues are daily changes. You're not stuck into one Otani for the whole week, and you have to just use him in one start, and then you don't get anything. Like, it's so complicated and multi-layered the way that it works with Otani. It really, truly depends on where you're playing. But at the end of the day, I think I am comfortable using him this season after what we've seen these last couple of years. Like his, He actually got better as a pitcher after his MVP season. Like This season was, this past season, was far and away better than what we saw in 2022 from him on the mound. Or excuse me, than what we saw in 2021. In 2021, he was incredible. Uh, when you're talking about at the plate, was he better than the year prior? Fewer home runs, fewer runs, fewer ribbies, fewer steals. Higher batting average, uh, you know, smaller K rate went from 29, call it 30% down to 25%. I don't know that he got better at the plate, but as a whole, uh, Otani was just an absolute beast last season. So uh, if you guys are, again, I'm happy to draft him and I'm happy to take questions about him because I know it can be very specific to league format and settings and whatnot. So do reach out on Twitter if you do have questions at JoeOrico99 and I will get back to you about them. 
Uh, I think it really does depend where you're playing, but regardless of your site, I think that he is going to be worth it this season. And I am kind of banking on the Angels being healthy. They're never healthy, but you know there has to come a point where your team will have some better luck. After so many years of bullshit with that team, uh, there is something in me that feels like this could be a year where it clicks on offense. We saw it last year before. There were some injuries to the team. Uh, I think Taylor Ward got hurt, and then I think it was Trout around the same time, and the team really... Uh, really shit the bed and cost Joe Madden his job because of it. I think this year will be different, though. And I really do think that a guy like Otani, again, there is risk. There's risk with every single player in this lineup, essentially, in terms of injuries. But where he is going, I think he's not like the one zero one. You're getting him in the middle or the late part of the first round. And, you know, depending on where you're playing, sometimes even a little bit later, you get just the Otani pitcher on Yahoo. Getting him in the 40s or 50s, I think that that's a pretty pretty good bargain there. But let's move on. Let's talk about the next guy. And again, Otani, there's just there's so much you could spend hours and hours and hours just talking about him and where to use him for fantasy and how to draft him and all that. But we'll keep it going here, and we'll talk about Anthony Rendon. Man, uh, every single player in this lineup, it comes down to the same thing, and it's health. Rendon was looking like he was going to be one of the best players in baseball, and he was one of the best players in baseball for a span of maybe three or four years from 2016. 14, 15, up until about 2019 uh, when the Nationals won the World Series. That year, he had 34 homers, 117 runs, 126 ribs, and he batted 319. It was a, it was a an incredible season, regardless of a you know, f- bouncy fun ball, whatever the hell they were using. That's an amazing season. He has not been healthy at all since. Uh, 2020, <clears throat> I guess you could argue he was because it was a short year. It was he played fifty two out of sixty games, nine home runs. He batted two eighty six. Nothing crazy. It was fine. You know he didn't steal any bases, which historically he's been. You know he steals a few bases for you, but you'll take that. In, in twenty twenty, there was no need to look at him and be real worried. Uh, these last two seasons, though, he's played one hundred and five games out of the possible three hundred and twenty four. Uh, not good, not good at all. He actually hit a home run from the left side of the plate this past uh, this season. I remember when there was, you know, at the end of the game, they threw in, uh, I forget who it was. It was a position player on the mound. Was it Anthony? It wasn't Anthony Rizzo. Maybe it was Anthony Rizzo. I can't remember now. And he hit a home run left-handed, which was pretty cool. But when you're talking about from a fantasy point of view, Anthony Rendon could be one of the biggest values that we see in drafts this year. He's going after pick 200. And we are just a few years removed and, you know, a few healthy years removed from him being one of the best assets in fantasy. If he's healthy, I think he'll smash through these projections, which are fairly conservative for him. If you look at ATC, 16 homers, 64 ribbies. They think he'll bat 255. I don't really get the batting average part of it these last couple of years. Yes, 229, 240. He's not been healthy. He's not looked good these last two seasons, but projections by their nature will look at the past three-year sample size and kind of aggregate those last three years for you. I know there's more that goes into it than that, but that's why you look at Aaron Judge's projections. They're probably a little bit inflated. That's what they should be just because last year's stats are beefing it all up. It kind of works the opposite effect here with Anthony Rendon. I don't think he'll be anywhere near a 250 hitter. I think that 270 uh, is probably about where you're going to see him bat. He's a 285 career hitter, even with these last two seasons factored into it. I think that 270 to 280 range is probably going to happen. It's all It all comes down to health, really. If Rendon is healthy, plays a whole season, projections generally think he'll give you 120-ish games. I just think they're, they're a little bit low on the totals, the home runs, the RBIs, the runs, because they're factoring in these last couple of seasons where they have not been very good. Talking about a guy who has multiple 100 RBI seasons, 
multiple 100 run seasons. You know, he used to steal, which is probably not going to happen anymore, but he can probably chip in a couple of steals to go along with, I think if he's healthy, 25 home runs. I think he can give you probably 70 to 80 runs scored, and the RBI is, is, is the real kicker here. This will be the hottest take I make of draft season, probably, but a healthy Anthony Rendon, if the, if the Angels are healthy, if that top part of the lineup, Ward and Trout and Otani, stay healthy... Anthony Rendon, and of course he has to stay healthy as well, I think he'll give you 100 RBIs. Batting behind those three guys, Ward and Trout and Otani, are going to be on base so much if they're healthy. Rendon pretty much just has to bloop a ball into center field and get two RBIs whenever he's up. And I'm oversimplifying the shit out of it, absolutely. But Anthony Rendon is somebody who has been a three, four, five hitter throughout his career, been a big RBI guy. If you look at 2016 through 2019, 85, 100, 92, and 126. Those are very good Nationals teams. This is a very good Angels team. The lineup is stacked if they remain healthy. Rendon will be in a prime RBI spot, batting fourth. And I do think that if he is healthy the whole season, he will absolutely ruin these projections. He will destroy them. The bad X only has 58 RBIs from him. I think he's going to absolutely blow through that. And again, the caveat is health. If he's not healthy, then, well, he's not going to do anything I just said. But if he is out there going, let's say, and, if he plays 130 games, I think that we will see 100 RBIs from Rendon, or at the very least in the upper mid to upper 90s. Like I really think that there is such a great buyback opportunity on Rendon right now at pick 217. I mean, even just these most recent 27 drafts. And I'm looking at the Rotowire 12-team online championships. He's gone from a range of 138 through 268. The max pick on him in these last couple of weeks, I'm going back to February the 22nd. The max pick on him is 268. If you're getting him anywhere near that range, even if you're getting him, you know, and I'm not going to say the minimum pick, but if you're getting him somewhere between the minimum pick and the ADP, between 140 and 220, you don't need to pay 140 for him. You can get him later, and that's the beauty of it. You can get him closer to pick 200, and there's a really good chance that he smashes through that value. Again, all comes down to health, which is the same case for pretty much everybody here. But Anthony Rendon is a huge target of mine. I'm targeting him later on in drafts. If you're in a 10 or 12-team league, common refrain from me, use your last pick on him. If he's not healthy, if he looks like shit to start the year, then you drop him or you bench him. But he's going in a range where he's not going to hurt you. There's only upwards to go from here with Rendon, and I really do think that we should be paying attention to him right now. Even though he's not the youngest guy in the world, he's 32, going to be 33 this year. There's a lot of guys who are that age who can still produce at a pretty high level. You know, Mike Trout's almost 32. It's not like you're you're done at that age. Rendon has done it many times. He has not been healthy, and he's not been given a fair shake because of it. I think, and understandably so, right? You have to kind of fade guys who are that injured multiple years in a row. But we don't know what the hell we're talking about with injuries a lot of the time. We've talked about this throughout the course of this week. Injuries are very hard to nail down. We know what's going to cause this guy to get hurt. We think we might, but at the end of the day, we don't really know. Rendon is a wild card for sure. He is a lottery ticket, but he's not an expensive lottery ticket. He's one of those cheap $1 scratch tickets that could end up being like a million-dollar prize. So definitely take a look at Anthony Rendon going after pick 200. I think there's a lot of value there. Let's move on, though, and talk about Hunter Renfro, somebody who is very interesting to me. If you look back over his career, very, very consistent. He's like an outfield version of Reese Hoskins in terms of the production he's going to give you. Every year, you're getting 25 to 30 home runs. You are getting, you know, the RBIs have fluctuated a little bit because, you know, the quality of the team has fluctuated. He's been San Diego, Tampa, Boston, Milwaukee. That's kind of out of his control. But, you know, in 2021, we're in a good lineup in Boston. He had 96 RBIs and 89 runs. He's going to chip in a couple of stolen bases, most likely. He's not going to kill you in the batting average either, which a lot of these 30-ish home run power guys are going to do. 
he's going to hit probably in the 240, 250 range. And we've seen that from his career. He's a 240 hitter. These last two seasons, 255, 259. Projections calling from generally about 240 to 250. Uh, with the low projection there being the bat calling for 230. But uh, that's that's the kind of the outlier among the projections. Uh, generally, we're looking at about 250 here as an expectation for Renfro. He's a guy who's been fairly healthy throughout his career. Uh, 125 games this past season was the lowest he'd played over the course of you know a, a relatively full season, going back to 2018 when it was 117. But generally, we're looking at 120, 120, 140, 144. Fairly healthy guy historically. He's in a great spot in this lineup for RBIs. Batting fifth, again, he's probably outside chance to get 100 RBIs, I think, is there. And again, how many guys can possibly get to 100 RBIs in a particular lineup? I don't think that we're going to see Trout do it necessarily. I think if we're going to see anybody do it, it's going to be the three, four, five guys. I think it'll be Otani, Rendon, and Renfro. I think Trout will be probably close, uh, but the way that Trout and Otani are likely to be getting on base is such a high clip. I think that Rendon and possibly even Hunter Renfro, like maybe it won't be 100, but in the 80s, maybe low 90s for Renfro, I'm very bullish on this offense. And this is a team that I shat on all of last year. They were a joke. Well, you know, for, for after the initial hot streak, they were brutal. And I made fun of them quite a bit. But, you know, if they're healthy, it's a scary team. They made some they made some solid moves this offseason. Hunter Renfro is chiefly among them. I think that he is somebody that will have a big impact in this lineup offensively. Defensively is, you know, not the greatest defender. But offensively, 30 home runs, 80 runs scored, 80 RBIs, good batting average or relatively good batting average, 250, let's call it. I think that that's very reasonable for Hunter Renfro. He's going roughly about pick 145, 144, uh, based on these last 27 OCs, which are 12-team drafts. If we go to a 15-teamer in the draft champions pool, uh, he is about 148. I think that he is totally reasonably priced. I think that you're getting him there. You're probably not going to get hurt. Uh, the odds are you're not going to get hurt on that price. At the very least, you'll get an equal return on your investment. He might not smash through it and be a huge value, but I think that at the very worst, you're getting a solid probably second, third outfielder, depending on how you know aggressive you are with outfield, who's going to give you that 30, 80, and 80, and probably a pretty decent batting average. So I like Hunter Renfro. So far, I like pretty much everybody in this lineup. And now I kind of have to stop with that for these next couple of players, unfortunately. So Brandon Drury is next up. Brandon Drury is a huge trap as far as I see it this season. The price is not terribly expensive. <clears throat> About 201 uh, is his ADP, and that is looking at the online championships as well. So 12-teamers, he's going about 200. He has eligibility at first, second, and third. That's huge. He had 28 home runs last year. He was great last season, 87 runs, 87 RBIs. But I think he took advantage of Cincinnati quite a bit there. That's not generally who he has been. He's had flashes of good power in the past with Arizona, with Toronto. There's been seasons where he's given you, you know, mid-teens home runs, you know, decent batting averages. But this last season was not really realistic, I don't think, in terms of the production that you got from Brandon Jury. 28 home runs, 87 runs, 87 RBIs. He batted 263, which is definitely in, in the range of outcomes for him. Generally higher than he's been recently. Uh, you know, he had to bat at 274 over a small stretch in 2021. But before that, you're looking at 152, 218, 169 over the previous three seasons. Again, not massive sample sizes, but just something to, to think about. He's not somebody who is necessarily going to be a 260, 270, 280 hitter. In fact, probably more likely he'll be in line with the career like 250, 240, 250 range. Even though there's been some good batting average seasons as well. You know, there's been 282. There's been 267. Like we said, there's been 263 this past season. 
but the good also comes with the ugly. So it's something to consider there. The power numbers are not going to be the same as we saw last season. In Cincinnati, he was great. Once he got traded to uh, San Diego, he was not great. Uh, we saw those numbers fall off. Home runs and batting average, I believe, as well, also fell off. When you look at the 28 home runs, that's going to be the career high for Brandon Jury. Like He's going to probably get you 17, 18 home runs like the projections are calling for, and that might even be a touch high. Like When you're looking at his previous career high, it was 16 over 134 games. They're calling for about 120 games and 19 home runs. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 15 home runs. Gives you maybe, you know, I think the projections are fairly in line here with runs and RBIs. 61 runs, 63 ribbies, maybe a couple of chip-in steals and a, you know, a 240 batting average. That's probably what you're going to get out of Brandon Jury. You're getting nice eligibility from him. You can put him all over the infield. But I think the price is just a little bit too steep for me at this point. I don't want to be buying into somebody's stats from last season. Brandon Jury, if last season had not happened, would be somebody that's going probably, I'm going to guess, in the 500s. Five or 600s by ADP. We're taking last season, which we collectively acknowledge as a community is unrealistic to happen again. And he's bumped up about 400, 300 spots because of it. I'd, I'm not doing it personally. If you guys want to take a chance on Brandon Drury, there's a, there's a chance he gives you 20 home runs again. But I'm just I'm just really not trying to pay that price, despite the eligibility being kind of tempting. But let's keep it going, and let's talk Jared Walsh. I like Jared Walsh a lot. Uh, 2021 was a great season for him, even though it did look maybe a little bit unsustainable, pretty high Babbitt for a, a low-speed guy. High strikeout rate, too. Pretty high strikeout rate at 26%. He just hasn't been healthy, really, and it's actually surprising to me that he paid or played 118 games this past season because of the thoracic outlet syndrome, which is something that we don't really know that much about. Uh, it might hold him back going forward. We don't know if he's going to be able to play a lot of games, and that's why the projections are kind of you know cautious on him, calling for, at best, 115 games. That's what uh, the Steamer projections call for. Or actually, Zips is calling for 125. That's absolute best-case scenario, I think. With him, there's so much we don't know about this injury. Could he come back and give you 2021 20, numbers again? 29 homers, 98 ribbies, and a 277 average? I think he could. I just don't really think that he will necessarily. Uh, the place where I would be drafting Jared Walsh would be in a draft champions kind of format. I don't think that you should, and maybe as like a very late pick in your standard 12 team league or whatever. And I don't even know if he's going to cut it in that particular format because he's going about pick like 320, 330. He's maybe like a last-round last pick there, and then you can see if he does pan out. And again, you might have yourself a lottery ticket in Jared Walsh. He might be somebody that does have a great season. But I think, again, I'm a very cautious drafter for the most part. I don't want to take risks. <clears throat> There's a lot of risk with Jared Walsh, a lot of risk there, and I'm just not really going to be the one to pay it, even though you know maybe he does come back to give you 30 home runs again. I'm just not trusting the health. And, you know, stop me if you've heard that one before today, but there's just a lot of health concerns here. Jared Walsh, chiefly among them, not somebody that I'm going to be paying up for this season. Even though, you know, it could not necessarily blow up my face, but he could end up having a very good season. He's in a pretty decent RBI spot himself. I'm just not really trying to pay that price. Now, Logan O'Hoppy is the projected eight hitter in the lineup. There has been some talk about maybe Max Stassi does get the starting role. I don't really know. The Logan O'Hoppy, there's been talked by some people that maybe he starts the year in the minors. I would not like to see that. I have a couple of shares of him. You know, he was talked up a little bit in Arizona. People were very into him as a prospect. He had a very good minor league career, especially last season. Of course, we're talking double A here. Uh, he did not play in triple A at all last season, which maybe they start him out in triple A. 
Um, but if you look at what he did in Double A over, let's see what it was, 104 games, he had 26 home runs. He stole seven bases. He had 78 RBIs. He's batting close to 300. Doing a very good job. He was like he's walking more than he was striking out. There was a lot to like uh, with Logan O'Hoppy there, and I think I personally have a couple of shares of him. The price might be a little steep for some. Uh, I'd pick 190, or excuse me, 263. Uh, the minimum 196, the maximum of 321. I took him in TGFBI, and let me just see where I took him exactly because I can't remember uh, the exact round. I want to say like 20 around. Maybe 20? Was it uh, 18? I took him in round 18 uh, from the 11 spot. He's my number two catcher. Probably should have taken one earlier on, uh, you know, a better second catcher earlier on. Tyler Stevenson is my number one catcher there, and that's a 15-team two-catcher league, so it is kind of tricky to to get yourself two viable catchers. Um, maybe I should have had somebody that was a little more secure in their you know early season playing time, but I think that Ohapi is somebody that will be pretty interesting in the majors this season. Max Stassi, I don't know that they're really going to give him so much rope here. He's not anybody who's going to help you so much offensively. He's a good defensive catcher, and maybe that's what they're going to be trying to to build up, a rapport with more of these pitchers. I I don't know. Uh, I think that there's probably going to be some kind of a timeshare there. But I do think that Ohapi, it might not happen right away. It might not be something that you see from opening day. But I think by the time we get about a month or so into the season, if Ohapi's not already up and starting, we're going to see that uh, come to fruition probably. So if you're in a one-catcher league, if you're playing in a 12-team Yahoo one-catcher league, uh, Ohapi is not somebody that you should be interested in other than to watch list and just keep an eye on him maybe. Uh, but if you're playing in a two, any kind of two-catcher league, he's definitely somebody I would take a look at. Uh, very deep one-catcher leagues? Eh, probably not, depending on how aggressive people are with drafting your Melendez's and your Varshows and putting them in their outfields. And There, there could be a situation where he does work in a 15-team one-catcher league. That would be mismanagement on the other manager's parts, putting those guys in the outfield. But you, I've seen crazier things happen. Uh, probably more of a two-catcher guy, but Ohapi does have the potential to be, going forward, like a top-five dynasty catcher. I'm not a dynasty guy, uh, but if I was to compile dynasty catcher rankings, he'd be, at worst, probably about six or seven. Uh, definitely somebody to keep an eye on, if not so much for this year, even though I am for this year, uh, definitely down the future. But even this season, I don't think it's going to be right away, but I do think we'll see a positive return on investment from Logan Ohapi uh, for his value this season. Now, the last guy in the lineup is David Fletcher. Don't need to spend too much time on David Fletcher. He's going to be the nine-hitter when he is in the lineup. Projected to play about half the time. There's nothing here for fantasy, really. I mean, the batting average can be kind of a boost. It hasn't been recently, though. Like he was, I mean, only 61 games last year, but he batted 255. The year prior, 157 games, he batted 262. So even though earlier in his career, like that was kind of his thing, you know, high batting average, he had a 290 season, 319. Uh, 275. He's not really even giving you that anymore. He had 15 steals in 2021. Granted, he was hurt a lot of last season, but one steal over 61 games, you can't really get anything out of David Fletcher. I can't imagine that many people, if any, are drafting him. Uh, 583 is his ADP. If you're doing draft champion still, he's somebody that I'd look at with you know, one of your later picks, potentially, as somebody that has playing time, because that's all you really are speculating for past pick 500, 600 range of a draft champion. Just people who are, you know, have a decent path to playing time and some decent upside. There's not much upside there, but Fletcher could be somebody that does play 120 games this season if you are looking for just a bit of insurance in terms of playing time, in terms of some warm bodies there on the bench. 
then he's somebody that I would uh, be taking a look at. Now, Luis Renjifo is kind of interesting to me as well. I do have one share of, of him, uh, and that was also in TGFBI. He's kind of interesting. Like last year, he was pretty good. 17 homers, six stolen bases. He batted 264. Now, he is not, according to Fangraphs, currently projected to have a starting role. Um, it's kind of interesting. He might platoon a little bit. He might be somebody that gets some, maybe some DH spots here and there when Otani doesn't, although Otani does play like pretty much every day. Um, he's probably being a little bit overdrafted, and I, I probably shouldn't have drafted him in all honesty. I didn't use a high draft pick on him. I took him, again, I have the draft board open here. Uh, where did I take Luis Renjifo? It was round 21. So it's nothing crazy in a 15-teamer. It was fairly late. But looking back on it, I probably wouldn't have taken him, and I'd probably advise you guys not to as well. I don't know that there's a great path to a lot of playing time. He's going to have to be somebody who just kind of fits in a little bit here and there. Last year, he played second, third, short, right, and left. So maybe they just do use him most days, and it's not in a in a defined role. It's kind of just a utility, super utility guy. I just don't know if there's a path to 500 plate appearances like I thought so earlier in the offseason. The projections, are, are, are they vary quite a bit. Zips has them for 140 games. Steamer, 94. The bat, 113. ATC, 109. I don't think there's a lot of consensus on what his role exactly will be. I think he'll probably play about 100 games. I have him as like a, a middle infield guy there on the NFBC. He's not somebody that I'm going to be using in my like starting lineup necessarily. Uh, if I can you know, avoid it, he might end up there for the first couple weeks until like we run fab a couple times and I pick up a hot player or two. But I, I probably wouldn't advise doing what I did, which is drafting him inside of, what was it inside the top 300? It was round 21. Uh, God, I'm so bad with the mental math sometimes. Sometimes I'm very good with it. I think it was just outside of the top 300, uh, but I wouldn't really recommend doing that. I probably made a bit of a boo-boo there. Um, not that it's going to kill me at that range, but I, I probably wouldn't necessarily do it again. Now, let's move on to the starting rotation. We already talked about Otani there uh, in one when we were talking about him as a batter. Very safe, very, well, very safe. Probably very safe, but also there is injury risk there that is elevated as opposed to the average player because of the fact that he's playing two different positions. Um, moving on though, beyond Otani, and I, I do really like him. Uh, I think that he's great. Again, we mentioned it earlier, all the different formats and how different that skews your, your view of him and how you'll actually use him. But let's talk about the number two pitcher here, Patrick Sandoval, somebody that I'm, I've wanted to have shares of. I haven't actually gotten any yet because I keep getting sniped on him, but Patrick Sandoval going after pick 200. I think there's a lot to like there. Now, granted, there's things not to like. His control is probably not what you'd want it to be. The walk rate close to 10%. The K rate probably not as high as you might like. But that didn't stop him from being effective last season. He had a 291 ERA. The XERA was 391. The FIP was 309. XFIP was 367. And again, I'm spouting off a bunch of numbers here. But essentially, he, was, he deserved his 291 ERA. It might have been a little bit high or a little bit lower than it should have been. Maybe it should have been like 310, 320 range. But he was very good. He had good control for the most. Well, not control. Uh, I'm using the wrong word there. He was he was good, essentially, last season over his 27 starts. It wasn't because of the control. He did get better throughout the season. And even opposed to last season, he shaved about a half a percentage off of his walk rate. I, I like him. Uh, I don't – I know there's some people that are, like, in love with Patrick Sandoval. I like him, and I think he's a solid guy to fill out your roster with. I'm not necessarily drafting him above ADP. I think at ADP, he's, he's a good bet. You know, he didn't give up too many home runs. That's another thing that he kind of fixed. 
I think that he's I think that he's probably a pretty good bet, and not probably. I think he is a pretty good bet at his ADP at two hundred six. I'm just not. I don't know. I'm not terribly excited about it. Even the part of me is, but you know, the wins are going to be kind of in flux depending on the health of this team. Are they going to win closer to 100 games or closer to 70 games? That depends on how healthy the lineup is, and that could mean six wins for him, or it could mean you know 12 wins for him. Uh, so that kind of worries me a little bit, which is going to kind of affect all the starters. He's not the biggest strikeout guy. He's about average, about league average, about one strikeout per inning. I just think he's a pretty safe, fairly boring pitcher that does fill out the back end of your roster pretty pretty handsomely. You're not going to have to be so worried week in and week out about the volatility there. I think that he'll probably give you about a 3-5 ERA. You know, average strikeout numbers should be pretty decent win numbers. He's just not somebody that I have a ton of excitement or a ton of worry about. He's just kind of a, a fairly plain chain going around pick 200 that I would be kind of trying to take a couple of shares of, assuming you're in multiple leagues. Uh, I, I do think that Patrick Sandoval is going to give you a pretty similar year to last year. It might not be amazing. He's not going to be an all-star, but I think he can be pretty damn good. And I'd be I'd be looking at him anyway after 200. And this is not a you-must-draft-Patrick-Sandoval segment, but it's a take-a-look because he's a fairly boring guy that a lot of people will just pass over because the Ks are not high. The team context hasn't been great these last couple of years. But overall, I, I like Patrick Sandoval. I think that he's a fine draft pick where he is going. Now... Tyler Anderson, he is the next guy we're going to talk about. He's going about 70, 80 picks later than Sandoval at pick 280. But regardless, I just can't see myself buying in here uh, after last season. Again, we do this a lot in fantasy. We do it a lot in sports. We pay for last year's stats. Real, Real teams do it when they're buying players. Fantasy managers do it when they're drafting players or going through an auction. Tyler Anderson, people will be paying for last year's stats. There's no question about it. Last year was a great year for him. A 257 ERA, the pitching indicators, except for the XFIP, they were very good. You know, 310 XERA, 331 FIP. He was very good from that point of view. Low walk rate was very good, under 5%. But he doesn't strike anybody out. That's that's a big thing with Tyler Anderson, and it's not like, you know, average strikeout. It's below average. Below 20% strikeout rate is not good. His career best is 22, and that was a few years back now. I don't think he's getting back there. Uh, he's going from a very good pitching organization to historically uh, a pretty shit one in the Angels. There's also that. So, you know, the things that he learned last year in Los Angeles, can he carry them forward? Can he keep that control under control, for lack of a better word? I mean, under 5% walk rate. I don't know if he's going to do that again, necessarily. This rotation as a whole... It's not great, and you can look at, you know, historically, not like forever, but the last few years, the way they develop pitching, it's not something that you can look at and admire, essentially. Uh, going from the Dodgers to the Angels, you're going to lose win potential. And I know I'm not a big fan of the Dodgers this season. I think they're going to take a step back. They're still going to win more games than the Angels, all things being equal, unless the Angels just have a, have a crazy season. Uh, but I do think that we're going to see fewer wins. The strikeouts are going to be equally shit as what they were last season. And the ERA is likely not to remain where it was in the 2-5 range because that's just not been who he is. For the career, he's a 4-16 guy. We've seen him as high as you know upper fours. The lowest before this year was his rookie year in Colorado where he had a 3-5-4 ERA. And we're talking about 2016 uh, Tyler Anderson. I'm not there personally. If you want to take him and you know at the price, he's reasonable. Like You could hope for a kind of a repeat of last year. I just don't really want to take him. I think that he's too volatile, and I do not expect him to give you what he did last season. Jose Suarez is the next guy up here. 
and again, Jose Suarez, I actually do have some interest here with him and the last guy we'll talk about in a minute in this rotation as well. Uh, Jose Suarez last season was pretty damn good. He wasn't somebody that was going to blow you away, but his ERA was under four. All the indicators for him were under four as well. You know, the Sierra was 391. Uh, the FIP was 391. The XERA, 367. It was very reasonable uh, to expect, or it is very reasonable to expect a sub four ERA again. Probably not going to blow you away with strikeouts, about 22%, but his walk rate's pretty good at 7%. So he's not, you know, he's not giving up so much there in terms of K minus walk, 15% rate. That was the best of his career last year by, by a long shot. And again, we're not talking about a guy who has a ton of history here. He's made 51 starts in the big 66 games. He's still young. He can still develop a little bit in this rotation, in the four spot. I think that he is somebody that you could take pretty late in your drafts. He's going, I pick 364 on average. You know, you can kind of fill out a little bit of your depth. And I'm going to actually take a look while we're talking and see if he's still available in my TGFBI league because he's somebody that I would actually be taking uh, considering where we are. And uh, he's been taken already. Uh, we're at pick 390, so I was kind of pushing it a little bit. But I think at his price, you know, uh, he's somebody that could get better. And, you know, you look at him and Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson is not going to strike out anybody, whereas, you know, with Suarez, it's not going to be a great number, but 3-4% increase over Anderson is what he's going to do there. The wins are going to be a wash between the two of them, yes. The ERA and the whip is what I'm looking at here um, from Suarez. I think that we're going to see those numbers be a lot lower than what they're going to be for Anderson. The ERA... Last season, like I said, sub four. The year before that, again, not a big sample size. 23 games, 14 starts. It was sub four. Anderson always has been bad until he went to a good pitching organization. Spent one year there. You know, he did well. Not obviously did well, but he did well, which you could kind of expect based on the fact of, you know, the background of the organization, which is why people are in on Noah Syndergaard this year. But I just don't see it carrying over without some of those previously learned habits. Where with Suarez, he's come up with this team. And yes, I know. It sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. And maybe I am. Maybe I am with saying, you know, they can be all right with Suarez, but not with Tyler Anderson. I just don't trust Tyler Anderson at his age to switch to another team now, which is his third, is it his fourth team in four years, third team in three years. I, I think it might be his uh, – I can't even remember now. There's Colorado. There's Pittsburgh. There was – yeah, it's like San Francisco. It's like he's always on a different team, different environments around him, different pitching coaches. Overall, I expect his performance to fluctuate as much as his jersey does. With Jose Suarez, he's still up and coming. The K rate's a bit better. The ratios historically are going to be a bit better. So even though he's going a lot later in drafts, I'm taking Suarez over Anderson here. The last pitcher on the, on the starting rotation, I should say, he's one who might be maybe not the most interesting, but one of the most interesting players on this team, and that's Reed Detmers. Now, Again, not going to have massive strikeout numbers, but the control is pretty good, even though it's not really reflected in the walk rate. 8.5% walk rate. He does have fairly decent control on the mound that has led to pretty decent success. He had a no-hitter this past season, and it was kind of a weird one because he had one or two strikeouts. But if you look at what he did over the course of the whole season, a 377 ERA, the expected numbers within about a half a run there, a 405 XERA, 379 FIP, 420 XFIP, you know, low home run rate. I like Reed Detmers a lot. And the more I look at him, the less I like him. Honestly, I think he's a little bit overpriced. I'm out pick 200. Uh, he's not going to be somebody who strikes out so many batters for you. You know, maybe that gets back up to closer to his minor league levels. I don't think it's going to be crazy high, maybe 23, 24%. 
he is he is incredibly interesting because he doesn't strike out batters, but he still at times has looked incredibly dominant, like he did in that no hitter. I think the more I look at it, honestly, I think he's a little bit overpriced. Uh, if you're getting him inside the top 200 picks, I think that might be a recipe for some disaster there. The minimum pick on him, 166. I don't know that that's necessarily justifiable. I think that's probably a little bit too high considering what he has done, which is pretty good. His 25 starts this last season were very good. I just don't know if we're going to see a massive step forward in the strikeouts like we probably would need to justify that ADP. So as much as he does interest me, we'll take a look at some different sites as we keep doing these mock drafts. Maybe I will end up taking him once or twice. I just think he's a little bit too expensive for me as of right now. Now the closing situation for this team, the bullpen closer situation, it's it's very tricky to figure out. I think Carlos Estevez will be the guy. We've talked about him a little bit on Twitter, a little bit in my relief pitcher pod uh, that we did. We talked about him actually a decent little bit in the relief pitcher pod, and I wrote him up as well on the website. Uh, Carlos Estevez should probably be the guy that gets the majority of the chances here. At least to start, I think he will be the guy that they go with. He should be the guy that they go with based on what we've seen. You know, his splits home and away at Coors Field over these last few years versus away. He's quite a bit better on the road. Now, they did go with Jimmy Herget, the guy with the really weird delivery last season for quite a bit of time. Uh, he ended up with nine saves for them. I'm not going to blow you away uh, with strikeouts or anything like that. I think he's okay, I guess. Like He's somebody you'd be speculating on. I'm not – let me take a look at the price on Herget. I don't think it's terribly expensive, 376 He's a lot cheaper than Estevez, and I guess if you're somebody who doesn't believe in Carlos Estevez, then you could go for Herget as a cheap kind of alternative there, 140 what some odd picks later, 130 picks later. And he might be somebody that does end up getting the save job or the closer job again if Estevez does go down or if he's not quite what they were expecting. Uh, Ryan Tapera is also an option in that bullpen, somebody who has a little bit of experience closing. He closed six games for them last season. For his career, he has 18 saves. He might be somebody that they try and target uh, a little bit depending on the way it all shakes out there. Pitching is very interesting for the Angels in, in as a whole. Like Otani is obviously elite. Sandoval kind of interests me. Reed Detmers kind of interests me, and Suarez does too. I, I, honestly, looking at these today, I, I'm, I'm less interested than I was yesterday as I was putting the sheet together for the show, looking at these guys. And just the more I'm, you know, as I'm talking my way through it, and that's a lot of the time what happens when I when I start talking on a podcast is I'll come in sometimes with a fully formed opinion. Sometimes I'll just have kind of a general idea of how I want something to go. Or sometimes I really don't have an idea and I come here and talk it out and kind of, you know, figure out where I stand along with you guys here. Uh, you hear me talk through my process. A lot of these pitchers who I liked a lot more before, you look more into the Angels pitching, that might be what holds them back. And there are some wild cards there. You know, Patrick Sandoval is as good as last year. If Reed Detmers takes a step forward, if Tyler Anderson can do somewhat kind of what he did last year. And Jose Suarez as well. If he can, you know, if they can essentially all do what they did last year, maybe take a small step forward, it could be very good. But there's also the potential for it to be not very good whatsoever when you factor in the fact that when you factor in the fact that sounded weird. But Tyler Anderson, you know, there's almost guaranteed to be regression there with him. Last year was a miracle. He was going out there pitching seven innings every time. Three hits, one earned run over seven innings. Tyler Anderson. It's like, well, where did this come from? I don't know that we're gonna see that carry over necessarily. And I think that you could make that argument for a lot of these guys that they don't strike out a lot of batters. There is not a lot of dominance in this rotation. Reed Detmers, someday, could he be dominant? Yeah, we've seen flashes of it. But overall, if this team is going to be great, it's going to be carried by this lineup. And it's going to need to be carried by, by health. 
essentially. There's there's talent galore there, one through seven in the order, you know, one through eight in the order, really. And I'm not even a big Brandon Jury guy, but I'll I'll throw him in there. One through eight could be very special. Mixture of young young talent to go with some older veterans. You got MVPs up the wazoo with Trout and Otani. You got four of them combined there. Probably should be five MVPs combined. I think that this team could be very good. I think it all comes down to health. All of it comes down to health, and that'll determine whether they're a 70-win team or they're a 100-win team. But I'd be trying to get some exposure to this lineup uh, in my drafts. And the one player that I, in particular, would be definitely trying to go for is Anthony Rendon. 100% at the price, he is worth buying back into it. Even if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. You can drop him. and You're going to drop so many players that you draft anyway. You're drafting him after pick 200. Depending on where you're drafting, it might be after pick 250. That's something you should consider for sure. Anthony Rendon, for me, if there's any takeaway from the show, I think it would be that Anthony Rendon should be somebody that you speculate on later on in your drafts. Obviously, it depends on how deep your draft is. If it's a draft champions, it's not the latest pick. But if you're talking about your standard redraft, 10, 12-team leagues, take Anthony Rendon with your last pick and then thank me later when it does work out. And if it doesn't work out, then don't let me know about it because I'm going to hear about it probably from other people. But guys, I really appreciate you hanging out here. We are really getting close to the start of the regular season. We got, I think, eight more team previews, seven or eight more that we're going to get through. We're going to do at least one tomorrow. Maybe we'll pair a couple together tomorrow. And then for sure, 100% by next week, we will be done with them. And then we have about 10 or 12 shows to get ready for the season. And we are going to be doing a lot of guest episodes, a lot of cool sleeper and bust and ADP battle episodes. We're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff until the first pitch of the season is thrown. And then beyond that as well. So make sure you guys are subscribing to the pod. Hit that plus button in the top corner, wherever you're listening. Make sure you're getting these in your feed every day. I'd really appreciate that. Help us out on the download side. And also go ahead and help us out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. And I guess the really the most important thing when you are listening to these pods, before you do click out, before you go on to your next pod, hit the five-star button, leave a couple kind words. We'd really appreciate that. Let us know what you think of the podcast. There's certain things you want to see, certain things you hate that I do. Let me know, and we'll talk about changing them potentially. Depending on what it is, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to be as much of a man of the people as possible, giving you guys what you want to hear and see. So make sure you let me know. Give me some feedback, or else how am I going to know what you guys like if you don't give me the feedback? So check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all, all the different ones, the ones that allow ratings, obviously, uh, Spotify and Apple, I think. There might be one or two others. But, guys, uh, I'm rambling at this point. I hope you have a great evening. I hope you draft Anthony Rendon because he is going to smash. We will see you tomorrow, and we'll keep doing team previews. But until then, take care, have a great night, and cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.